Well, that kind of worked. That kind of worked. Good morning. It's Saturday. It's morning. I'm not as prepared as I want to be because I'm now staring at the fact that there is no rush. And there is no worry even for me. For all that I did this morning to try to make this as glorious as possible for both myself and you, um, there is no rush. There is no worry. It, we're here on the Mad Christian Saturday morning chill. The point is to chill out. Good morning. How are you doing? COVID world. Eight weeks? Eight weeks. Is that right? Someone said that yesterday and I didn't bother to question it. I assume that I'm usually wrong about calendars. Eight weeks. But does it matter? Where are you? In a lot of places, I see you all chiming in this morning already. In a lot of places, uh, things are normal-ish in faster. The thing that's been my favorite, like, little weirdo insight <laughs> is where the news about Georgia goes. Uh, like, like, for, like there was a day when Trump and Georgia were like the same level of reality, right? And then, you know, it was bad, bad Georgia. Even Trump, bad Georgia, right? And... And now no news. Like, what's what's going on in Georgia? I really would like to know how Georgia is doing. How's Atlanta? Right? Are you in Atlanta? I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be like a, a polemical person. How's it going in Georgia? <laughs> you know, uh, how's it going where, where you are, where it is or is not open? I was very pleased. I was so excited. My little libertarian heart, like, leapt with joy when I got the news last night and then this morning that my sheriff... God bless him, and I don't even know his name yet, but he's got my vote again. When my sheriff here in Winnebago County publicly declined to execute the orders of the Illinois governor to enforce certain levels of shutdown on the area, particularly when it comes to, say, small businesses, you know? Um, and I just, I, just, I just leap with joy. Uh, to have that reality in, in my world. But there's so much more going on in this. There was a major conversation in my neck of the woods this last week about how do we reopen churches. For those of you who have congregations that have not been open this entire time, it's not like you can just throw the doors open even when they say, hey, you can go back out, right? What does worship look like if we all are, by legal requirement, wearing masks for a portion of it? Because you can't you can't sing with a mask on. <laughs> you know, it, it, it might work if you, if you go to the church where you just watch the band play. It might work. But where we have this book that we all sing out of with the idea that we're like memorizing stuff in case they ever take away our words, right? That place, <laughs> right? You have, to, you have to invest a little more there, right? You have to get dug into. Uh, in any case, in any case. Bringing the church back together, wherever you are, is going to be a difficult reality to, to manage and pull off. And so the conversation that I'm seeing professionally happen is a good one. Uh, I was really pleased with my district uh, in the Missouri Synod and the, the news they gave. Um, although it was, I also thought it was interesting, like the, one of the best things that came out of the conversation was, well, uh, the diocese of the area has a plan and it looks pretty much like what we're going to do. <laughs> It's already public, right? They're already doing it. Uh, so, well, good on good on us for not not being afraid or ashamed to say that Rome's been ahead of us in a lot of ways on this. And even here, again, in my own locale, I am so rejoicing in this reality, where our particular governor had made this sort of. I don't know, Tony Soprano from the hip, uh, 10 people. Like, he just took that and threw it out there without defining what that meant, depending on your institution. And so the question of what is, what is a gathering of 10, you know, in Home Depot, is it a gathering of 10, 
right? Okay, in my congregation, if I'm there and there's eight other people having a small private family service with two families honestly separated in all the ways that CDC requires, and there's two guys in the back doing the, the you know, the chalice wear care uh, for the next service, and they're also doing this all, like, if we, can we have 12 in the building, right? Is, is that allowed? And, and thanks be to God that the diocese <laughs> in Illinois, uh, at least uh, the Rockford, I believe Rockford diocese was, was connected to this as well. I don't know the inner workings of Rome. Rome got, uh, got a circuit judge, perhaps? A judge in Illinois, somewhere in Illinois, we got a ruling out of this thing that in fact, 10 people can be those gathered and then the pastor on top of that and any necessary staffing on top of that. So for the moment, we are freed to actually have gatherings of 11 <laughs> uh, uh, by, by, by our glorious state. And um, uh, this, is, this is just say, I'm actually really happy about that because for, that, for us, that's a, that's a lifting. And Rome was like already bringing suit, right? And this is where I'm like, wow wow, Missouri Synod, do we know how small we are? And that's okay. That's okay. We got allies. Rome's our ally in this, right? Um, it's been on my mind a lot since I got here in Rockford to talk to the, the, the local Catholic priests and or otherwise upwards, right? Um, as a pastor and to say, you know, we, we are fighting some of the same battles here. We all believe Jesus has risen from the dead, right? I mean, we need to ask that, I think. We all believe that the Father, Son, and Spirit are three persons in one substance. Okay, so we got this justification thing and excommunication thing. It's all real. It's not water under the bridge where I'm sitting. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but, but like on this whole, you know, uh, not allowing us to have the Lord's Supper, I'm pretty sure we take the same stand as any sacramental Christian, and we, and we should be like maybe invested in the same answers, I mean, does that make sense? Like, because it, otherwise we end up just copying each other by wasting our resources in corners. It's always one of my complaints about institutions in general. And I know I'm a whiner. I, I get it. Okay, sure. But, but then learn from my whining and take it how it uses you or how, how it helps you. How, how, how you may use what I have whined, put it into your world and use it not to whine, but to do good instead, right? Uh, we are so far behind when it comes to wasting and spinning wheels, duplicating the wheel as Christians in America. And some of this is for good reason, and some of this is for really bad reason. And, and again, uh, I'm thankful that Rome's been ahead of the, the rest of us on one level here. And now they're coming back with a plan, from my understanding, at least locally here, to have services of 10 people at a time scheduled, just masses, Lord's Supper. I don't know how long a show the service will be, common mass. I have no idea, but, but that's their plan. And so I, I, I did have to be like, well, that's nice to know. At least that's what I've been aiming for all along, you know? Um, and that uh, that's largely the, the recommendation and what I'm seeing a lot of my Lutheran brothers who did shut down briefly uh, come back with, right? So that's good as well. What's going on where you are, though, because it can be different in different places, and it can be a lot harder. If you're a larger congregation, there's a lot more to take into account with this. So, so all those things, um, I don't know that I'm going to necessarily follow up on all that today, because today's show, we're going to get to the stuff that you've already sent me and is prepared, but I do see the comments are definitely going strong on the right side, and what that means is that... They will be looked at carefully later by secret, secret magic elves who work for someone named Frisbee the Hand. And these secret magic elves will divine the most hilarious, insightful, and, oh, just valuable in general. They all are. They're all necessary, right? Uh, everyone's necessary. Um, but divine the ones that we're just going to kind of play with next week. So keep in mind, if you don't get an answer today from the comments, uh, you definitely have it in the pipe to come back sometime in the future. 
And uh, again, that goes for Super Chat as well, a little bit, although I will always endeavor to get the Super Chat onto the screen. There is no guarantee because if in fact the Eschaton occurs the moment that the mouse has clicked but not completed, dropping onto the screen, but if there is any kind of delay in the Eschaton so that it happens to me before it happens to you, it might be that I failed at that moment to get your Super Chat on the screen. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. You know, uh, world uh, withstanding. Now, let me see here. I think I can go... This. Now, I don't know if you were able to hear me continue to talk through that, but it boomed for sure, right? Now, that's good. That's good. All right. And uh, let's see. Did I, mi- did I miss anything when it comes to announcements? Uh, Patreon, I, thank you. Those of you who have been joining Patreon, uh, by and large, we continue to see a nice and continual fan base growth. I mean, if you if you follow any of the, the information about building a network community to support creative work, which is what fandom is, okay, any of the information about that says you want to see like this nice, slow, but ever going up growth curve, hoping for the moment when something that you're doing that's interesting spikes up to the top and you get like a national look for half a moment. And that's when you then will see this uh, spike that will go up and hopefully never go back so far as awareness of your channel right so anyway in fandom and in, in me being able to uh to continue to preach regardless of what happens wherever you know uh this endeavor uh missionary to the internet what have you uh thank you those of you that continue to join on board we're seeing that be a good thing regularly it's encouraging and those of you who have stepped off there were a couple of you that went from pretty large donations uh down a little bit this month um or large subscription amounts down Thank you as well, right? Thank you for those of you who dropped off entirely. Thank you those of you who dropped just a little bit. That's what this is, right? And so um, I'm just I'm just glad that you're there with me, and I hope that whatever I'm saying, good or bad, at the very least is going back into your hopper and getting smashed into the Word of God somewhere, and helping the Lord refine you, uh, as as I believe He continues to refine me, and I believe that not because it's my own pious opinion, but because How's it go? The Bible tells me so. I think I think that's the, the way that it is. All right, so uh, comments from you. New look on the SM shell regarding to the music, which if you're on the podcast, I'm so sorry. You cannot hear the music, and that has everything to do with the marvelous reality of copyright and royalty laws in this here um, United States, as well as the influence of Google and YouTube on the ability to actually have something which I can use, which is awesome, frankly, but then is limited only to their markets. Yes, the monopoly. They, they know what they be doing over there, I think. In any case, um, comments on it. Great and Small says, love the new art and music. And Vernie jumps in with epic intro music. We changed it up again this week. I'm going to look for something to be semi-regular for the real introduction and the conclusion, but then try to go with the subscription and give you some new stuff every so often. I've also got an idea in the back of the head about something else to do with this music because it is pretty cool and it's just sitting there for us to use. As Of course, the, the issue always always is which project is most necessary in the real and essential vocational godly sense, right, today, and which is not. So, but cool. I'm glad you like the music. I like it too. I'm looking forward to having more of it. In fact, I'm going to go to my after show notes right now and make sure I write down that I resubscribe to Audio Hero. And since I'm going to try to convince them 
to pay me at some point for all of you who use them. Audio Hero is where this music came from, and it is unbelievable. For a very minimal price tag, you can create your own radio station music YouTube channel. Just set it going, find some royalty-free art, and you've got it. They got different genres. I mean, this is not their pitch. This is my pitch. This is what, if I was like, man, I just want to make some money right now, this is what I'd be doing. This one is easy. In fact, why am I telling you? I should tell my kids. I'm not kidding. I should. Kids, are you watching? They sometimes do watch, and they might beat you to it. In any case, Audio Hero. If you do anything with YouTube and you want some music, you should definitely check it out. And Audio Hero, if you want uh, someone to talk good about you, hi, here I am, uh, and I use you, and you're awesome. For, for all that that's worth, thanks, guys, for the comments on the new music and whatnot. What we really need to find now, here, here's the thing, friends, here's the thing. We need to find the artist's who have the attitude of what's going to come down here in a moment from, uh, from Georgie D here. Uh, we need more of that as well. Um, and let's just leave that floating in the ether for a second. First, a clarification on a comment. This was kind of a fun, if embarrassing moment for me last week. And Ethereus had made a comment. He said, uh, did, did he... See, see, the narcissism went in immediately. I thought he meant Rev Fisk. He didn't. He said, did he go full non-denom mega church? And um, he was talking in a conversation on the sidebar. I was trying to do my pious job of like getting into the sidebar. There's so much there. I'd love to know what you're saying. And like, I assume and somehow any negative thing would, would obviously be about me, right? That's the narcissism that we all have, but mine's, you know, sometimes exacerbated. And in any case, what happened was I, I went off, uh, <laughs> I think jovially, on like, well, no, I'm really not doing that, but this is a serious thing. And I, I want to apologize to my friend who actually know who this guy is. Um, uh, he took contact with me afterwards. That um, for whatever might have seemed um, aggressive in my response, uh, and at the same time, I also then want to emphasize that that is a fair accusation if you're not listening carefully. And so it has come before and it will come again. Yeah. Um, so uh, th that's out there. But uh, he was referring to the, the TED Talk guy going mega church and and the thing about that is well what does that mean what an interesting insight this ted talk given by a shaolin monk who's 30 years old who's given up almost everything of like western life although he still kind of has it he says but he's walking around with his beads and bare feet right so so you know what's he doing are they trying to repackage it i think what's going on yes is that buddhism isn't very intentionally just just repackaging itself into something silicon valley can absorb readily and they're already ready for it with the TED Talk kind of motif for teaching and the, the guru mindset and so forth. And so, yeah, they're just inserting themselves into it. I, how do you get on that stage in a caller? That's what I want to know, right? I mean, I, I interviewed a guy. Oh, I forgot about this guy. He was good. Last, last fall, um, I interviewed a guy uh, about his book that had to do with deism and, and American political stuff. It's not the kind of thing I normally do, but, you know, we did it. Um, and he, he had talked. Uh, he'd given a, like a lecture at Google. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. He said, well, all I did was like sign up for it. What do you mean you signed up for it? Like you go to their, their website. They have a thing you can apply. I'm sure he did his work and he like showed that he had something to say for Google to accept that application. But like, hey, Lutherans, <laughs> what you doing? Did you ever think about like infiltrating Google with a leadership talk on, I don't know, design theory or something? I, I don't know. You know, what are you, what, what, what are you doing out here? You know, are we, are we ninjas or not? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the Buddhist guy's doing that. I think, is he doing it intentionally? Is that his shtick? I have no idea. 
And uh, Buddhism has an advantage in being not tied to a particular god per se. So it can kind of mold itself and move a lot easier than many other religions. And in some ways, you could call it more a philosophy than a religion. But in a lot of ways, you can call most philosophies more a religion than a philosophy. So it's like, well, you know, what are you talking about? In any case, uh, Netherius, thanks for the comment. And I apologize for uh, assuming you're talking about me on my channel in my comment thread. And I'm thankful that you were only talking about the guy I was talking about instead, and that I'm just I'm just uh, on display. <laughs> ah, it is. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. So, um, speaking of being on display, all the times I've accidentally shown maybe a credential or two that we're fixed. We fixed that I think this week for sure. Somebody contacted us and said, "Can you share my credentials on the world that you have now?" Hi, Pester Fisk says Georgie D, who you can reach at Facebook.com/slash Georgie. That's G E O R G I E D. That's D-E-E, -E, art, that's A-R-T, Georgie D. Art. Uh, you can find that, her, at him, ah, don't know, at facebook.com slash Georgie D. Art. In any case, the friend writes, this message is likely to, to, to be different to other ones you receive. I will try to keep it succinct, but I have a few questions. Firstly, I was happy to see that you used my artwork in your article, Easter 3, between rock and no rocks. I was hoping you would be willing to add my name, Georgie D., beneath the work and potentially add a hyperlink that links back to my Facebook page. Now, I'm the first one on my team to see this, but my answer is absolutely. Jeez, yes. Ah, that's so exactly awesome, right? Now, people find your artwork. And maybe people find my artwork, and then all the artwork gets found. Right? This is networking on the internet. It's not copyright. It is a different ballgame. But yes, absolutely. Um, so I will I will make sure that my team, and I'm going to make that note double as well here. Um, I will make sure that my team accedes to the request. Is that from Pirates of the Caribbean? Acceding to the request? I really do think it is. Uh, I really do think it is. Uh, I see. I'm not disinclined. Disinclined to accede to the request? Yes, that's good. Um, uh, that's good. So she continues. He continues. I apologize for not knowing um, uh, the names, gender or non-gender, I guess. Uh, I make religious work for the church, Georgie says, to use, but I also am an advocate for building awareness for who our creatives are in the church. Likewise, I would also share your article to my own socials and friends. Which again, was I just saying, right? Open source in it, right? Uh, I would like to know where, how you found my artwork, and that would be for my team to answer, because they're the ones who did it. Scouring the world for the best, I might add, and uh, that you thought of it or, or why you decided to use it. Um, and now a question about the article itself. Uh, how does death swallowed up in victory relate to the title stones? Oh, cool. Okay, specifically, I'm trying to figure out how that verse relates to um, find the stones that have been left from those who came before and trust them to know a thing or two more than you do. Uh, is the link that uh, through death God reveals to us truth to guide us to the future? Um, well, kind of. Uh, I, I think it's it's more, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this word because I think it's the right word to describe it. Um, it's more pedantic than that. Now, pedantic as a word uh, can be like really like almost a snarky word, like you're talking down to people, but it's connected to the word pedagogy, right? Uh, so pedagogy is the basic teaching, right? What's the main instruction you absolutely have to have? And now with children, colors, right? You know, how do you bring them up to speed on language and all that kind of thing? Okay, so so it is kind of like um, the answer is a little more in like, the, like that, that level. Uh, I'm really talking about Holy Scripture. That Holy Scripture is the stone that has been left from those who've gone before pointing the way according to 
the more established stone even than Scripture, what Scripture confesses or witnesses or testifies to, the resurrection of the one man Jesus Christ from the dead. Kaboom, right? Like that, right now, is very important. Uh, It's always important, but right now it's super important. And we've been at the end of an era of a civilization very much moving those stones. Every single thing, like it doesn't matter what your opinion is, if your opinion was that like a carved in the stone of Holy Scripture in American society, like we are trying to get rid of it just because it got there from Christianity. Like there's people that want it gone just for that reason. Like there's no real like, well, has this been good for us? Right? It's, it's <laughs> no patient dialogue on, on what the practices meant or where they came from. It's more or less uh, Christianity. It just needs to be uh, expurged, absolutely purged from society intellectually. Intellectually, I say. Right? I don't, I don't, they don't care if you're a Christian bookstore and your candles. <laughs> you're just a pagan, right? you know, a pagan with a cross. What they care about is that they take away the renewed mind. They take away the faith, which knows Jesus has risen from the dead and knows that that standing more than stone, but mountain, rock, Zion, right? That new Jerusalem, that, that new humanity, that new creation that is him now, the promise that you are, you are tied to him just because you heard about it and that it's for all to hear, so talk about it more. Right? All that reality then written in the scriptures by those very apostles who saw him face to face, heard it mouth to ear, right? that that would be a stone that I'm so glad I still can look at while everyone else is like running for the hills terrified. Oh, the water's coming. I'm like, no, nah, the stone's pretty, sh- nope, I don't think so. Right, so that was that was my gist. In this, then you know, God reveals truth through the uh, to guide us in the future via death. Yes, but in the death of Jesus and Jesus alone. In our own deaths, he. I, I, let me say that again, though. He does reveal to us in our own deaths the truth about ourselves, but it's not a happy truth, right? Uh, teach me to count the days, which the proverbs say, uh, is is a, is a sad request. A wise one, but a sad one. Um, teach me to make the days count, which is how the song that I learned in the 90s on Christian radio finished the thought. Was that Chris Rice? I don't know. Um, less so what the Bible says. It's not about making the days count. It's about knowing what did count already, what does count, which is not my days, but the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and risen another day. Same day, three days, you know, three and one. It's as if the Trinity is connected to the day of the Lord. Go figure. Uh, The one who's going to come again to judge the living and the dead and who has judged you and me innocent by means of the blood he shed that day of the Lord on the cross that ties us to the day of resurrection, which is that coming day, uh, which is yours already promised in scripture. Um, That's what I was talking about. Uh, The hell? I hope it did. Thanks for connecting, though. Absolutely the way that artists and publishing everything needs to really start thinking about our work together, especially in a world that's going to try to, I don't know, I think shut down creative thought more and more. I'm going to take a sip of my water. I can, I can do this while I do that. Here we go. Did that, did that help? That maybe helped a little bit. Okay, so uh, continuing on, she says, he says, Georgie says, God bless you, Georgie. Kind regards and blessings. P.S. For authenticity of the work, you can find it at these places. So these are links to the actual uh, pieces of art that was shown on Easter 3. Um, and uh, so those are there as well, which is pretty cool. So an artist wanting to share work so that we might all share work so that you all might see our work. And then if you like our work, 
you help us out. You buy it, you know, all that kind of thing. But we don't try to hold it behind lock and key. Good for you, Georgie. Good for you. All right. I'm going to remove this little bit of hidden mana. Um, and then let's see here. Continuing on, a more serious question. Michelle asks this. Uh, Michelle says, I'm in need of counsel in the area of rebaptism. Mm -mm. I was raised under an apostolic upbringing, capital A. So Pentecostal, if you don't know that much, it's at least that much. Uh, Pentecostal, it was a oneness doctrine, right? So like I've said often, Pentecostals are not always Christians. Uh, now it's true of everyone in a sense, but like there's official wings of Pentecostalism that have rejected the Trinity. Uh, and, you know, T.D. Jakes, I believe, you know, be one of these famous guys who's kind of in that realm. And so that puts you in this oneness uh, section of Pentecostalism, which we would call, you know, Arian at best. I don't know if you could really tie him to Arianism, but they're, they're, they're past Arianism, right, on the way out of Christianity. So that's that's the raising. Meaning I was, and this means this, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Now, if I'm understanding the question correctly, in this doctrine, they will not baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm not quite sure how they get around Matthew 28, but they won't use that to baptize. They will baptize instead in Jesus' name, like in Jesus' name. Right? Those sounds are what they use. And this comes out of, I believe, the book of Acts, where it does talk about being baptized in Jesus' name. I think the Catholic, Orthodox, Lutheran, Protestant, Reformation, Christian answer forever has been, um, yeah, see, they were, they were, that was shorthand for the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, because that's what Jesus said, and then that's what, that's what Luke said, right? <laughs> And so, so we take what Jesus said, and then we take what Luke said that just kind of happened, you know, his description. We take that as, um, we take that as secondary. But what they do then is baptizing in Jesus' name, they avoid using the name of the Trinity. And they then are in one idea or possibility, suggestion, not baptizing, right, at all then. And, and that's the question. <clears throat> My former pastor said I was fine. Uh, but Pastor Wolf Miller touched on the subject the other day, and I felt convicted. I am unsure and would like your way in on this quandary. Yeah, that's a good quandary. I mean, that's a tough, it's a tough nugget. And I'm going to tell you that my answer is I don't know. I'm also going to tell you that there's an answer we were taught at the seminary. And then I'll tell you what I think after that. Uh, so at the seminary, what we were taught about these kinds of scenarios, not this group particularly, but this possibility, uh, what we were taught was this. The purpose of baptism, the, the, the whole point of being baptized is that you are to know and others are to know that you are baptized. The church is to know it, you're to know it as a public reality that is undeniable. It's why we make certificates and have witnesses and all this kinds of, look, it happened. We cannot, it, you cannot undo it, right? So, well, well, if you don't have that certainty, if that's really the case, well, then we don't re-baptize you. We baptize you. We just believe that whatever it was before, it wasn't baptism. And if we find out we were wrong on Judgment Day, we ask forgiveness now <laughs> under grace, right? The whole point's grace and confidence for Judgment Day. So it's like, okay, you're right, Lord. We, we misunderstood. <laughs> Yeah, but we were trying to understand really hard. And so if you want us to justify ourselves, you're right. We have to go to hell, but we're here because you're going to justify us. And so I trusted in the right baptism through the wrong time and the wrong water droplets, right? At the, so so like we, we at that point just kind of give up on it a little bit and say, yeah, get wet, man, woman, Michelle, <laughs> uh, get wet. 
uh, if it's really bothering you that much. Now, if your if your pastor says no, you're fine. I know you're baptized. Well, he's got the office, and he's kind of like you can trust that too, right? I mean, he, if he, especially if he did know, or if he's studied it more carefully, uh, the actual intricacies of the event and the and the people and the confession. Um, but I, I think that most pastors would care a lot about your conscience. And so if your conscience is like, Pastor, I don't, it doesn't matter what you say, I don't know now, and I am terrified. It's like, okay, let's just, let's just wash you in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit and believe that God has chosen you. And who cares which one of them was right? One of them was right, and that's the one that Jesus did. <laughs> right? The other one we did, and we can't trust in it, but, but we'll trust in Jesus anyway. So, so that's what we were taught to say, not quite in those terms, but like we were taught to not be hardliners, but to just baptize you, not rebaptize you, but baptize you because you believe you're not baptized. And since you believe you're not baptized, you should definitely be baptized. There's just, there's no way around it. Now, my opinion is again, that you should talk to uh, your pastor or a local pastor about this, um, uh, directly. And, um, at the same time, remember that baptism's not a law for you to keep. Jesus loves you just fine right where you are. Yeah, you want to get baptized. It's awesome. It's a gift. It's something to rely on, as is the trust you have that he's risen from the dead. So, you know, you're in Jesus. It's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for the, the question, Michelle. Uh, some more questions, questions, questions from all over the place. Texas Dawn uh, says this, good morning, got a question. It's about our confessions and agents of evil hiding in the church. Can you expand on that? Well, heavens, to Betsy and to Murgatroyd, I, I probably can. <clears throat> I'm squeaking too much. I would like to have a man's voice, and I was made a tenor's tenor instead. Um, she was specifically trying to remember what I had said when I was reading an old article about KGB in the Russian— when she was reading an old article about the KGB in the Russian Orthodox Church. Ooh, yeah, that's fascinating history stuff there, yeah? Um, if you like Russian history, by the way, what was it called now? I listened to it on Audible uh, about two months ago. Once upon a time in Russia, I think. I, not for the faint of heart, but if you want to learn a little, little bit about Putin, whoo that's a fun one right there. Good story. Um, in any case, in any case, uh, what our confessions say about agents of evil hiding in the church? Like the, the most succinct way to look at this is Augsburg Confessions 7 and 8 both of which deal with the church, but look at the church from two different perspectives, sometimes confused with, but also not entirely not the visible and or invisible view of the church. There's not two different churches. There's only one. You can see some church elements and you can um, believe others, not see others, right? So, so dealing with that in Augsburg 7 and 8, Augsburg 7 talks about the, the perfection of this. I think, unless I'm reversing them. 7 talks about the perfection of this, the good side of this, the, the gift of this, that the church rightly, truly, is none other than Jesus. And only those who are in, in Jesus. And so there's no evil hiding in the church, ever. Now, that's just not the way we use the word church in English, ever. <laughs> I said ever twice, but it's true. It's just not the way we use the word church in English. 
We use church mainly to mean what we would call the visible or the church scene, uh, the church in time and space, word and sacrament ministry, right? That's, that's it. And so that's where the agents of evil would be. That's, that's Augsburg 8, which is not talking about the, the una sancta, uh, one body of, of Christ across time and space, purged of everything, and yet present every time that you're at a true word and sacrament service, uh, is talking instead about the local human organization that manages enough of its humanity to have a service, right? Uh, whether it's a building or a shack, right? Whether it's good bread or poor bread, uh, they manage to get there. In that group, you are guaranteed, Augsburg 8 says, you're, you're bound to have uh, hypocrites, two-faced. Uh, it's not really the word I would use in English. That That's uh, that's the kind of the Greek into the German a little bit there, Um but, the, but really, uh, unbelievers is, is just, frankly, the easy way to say it. So that in the visible gathered body of Christians who are there truly for the words and sacraments of Jesus Christ, uh, you see unbelievers come and even lie <laughs> uh, about it or about other things. And that, that's more or less the substance of what our confessions say. They don't go into detail other than putting it on display Luther's particular experience with uh, evil hiding in the church, say at the head office. <laughs> um, uh, but but uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got for you there. Um, and the idea is not that you would go so much looking for this, but that you would be unsurprised by the sins of your neighbor in the pew. Uh, and in, in, both in terms of a willingness to overlook them when they're petty and also in a willingness to confront them when they are not petty, but serious and, and indeed uh, matters of life, which we don't do nearly enough with each other. Um, uh, but, then, but then also uh, to support, right? To support and encourage. Uh, so, Patrick says, do you use incense in your services? Uh, only if you count at the end of like summer, the chasuble. By the end, never mind. It's a bad joke. But... I say it, honestly, as a public service announcement. Think about your pastor. <laughs> what he's wearing clothes in the summer for, you know, high services, especially if you've got no air. Um, been there. Uh, so, uh, do no, I have. <clears throat> I like incense. I love the idea of incense. I love the imagery of incense. I like the smell of incense. I really don't have an allergic reaction to incense much, but I know people who do. And that's the trick with it there. One of the things that I've thought about quite a bit recently, as my wife has been experimenting with essential oils and various uh, spraying of them into the skies of our household, has been like, oh, look, that's a cloud of incense that isn't smoke and could smell like frankincense and it all clicked for me it's like wow how do we build an air purifier slash uh, essential oil dispenser that looks like a thurible thurible right um right what was it called i think it's a thurible yeah, how do we do that so so no i don't use incense but when you design that thurible and it's got to look churchly um i will go to bat for uh uh for uh, essential oil incense at the evening prayer services. I'd love to have it. I, I, the idea is so awesome. It's just, I don't know how to do it in a day and age of, of hypoallergenic realities where, you know, your best members won't be able to be there. And that's, as the, you know, I'm, I've been in more than one church where that's the case. And it's like, pff, pff, ain't worth it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The history of it's awesome. I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, questions about two plots. Ardith says, had a counseling prof who said every good story is either a story of the Exodus, rescue, or a story of the cross, resurrection. That that would be a good way to say it. And the thing is, you can't really even separate the two, right? And I'll, I'll even go biblical on you when, uh, and the Mount of Transfiguration, when uh, Moses and Elijah show up to talk with Jesus, they're talking with him about something. <clears throat> and in Luke particularly, uh, they're talking about, it says, his Exodus, Departure is usually how it's translated. The words exodus, I mean, the sounds are exodus, <laughs> right? Is there. Uh, and, and uh, uh, well, they're talking about his death. So you even can't take the two apart. Your prof's completely right. You know, every story can tangent off. That's the point of typology. It's like you got the one real true story, and then everything that is after that is a myth of history, including the one you tell yourself about who you are and who you've been. Right. Uh, and the real story will be revealed at the end of time. And thanks be to God, we know how it ends. And we know that some of us are sheltered. Uh, all of us are sheltered, except those who don't want to be sheltered. There is that. So Darth Mick chimes in on the same thing. Uh, silly prof, think those, thinks those are two different stories. Good for you, Darth Mick. You're on it before I got there. Or did I steal it and use your idea for my show? Um, I'll let you ponder that one. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not a dishonest man, so I think you can find the answer through that. Lutherans, and I try not to be a dishonest man. Are you a dishonest man? Isn't that weird? You say something on the camera to the world, and suddenly you start questioning your motives. Wow. It's like an honesty thing. Lutherans and politics, speaking of honesty. Oh, wait. <laughs> Sarah says this, I've wondered if some of the hesitancy of LCMS folks to appear in politics has been the inevitable questions that would come up, re appearance of unionism and syncretism with stuff like chaplain-led prayer, Prayer breakfast, declarations of various religious holidays, etc. You know, God bless you, Sarah. I would completely think you were right if we had not been involved in all that stuff all the time, like for 50, 60 years now. So, I, and, and they teach us to do it. And the whole chaplaincy program does it. There's a theological reasoning for it. Um, the one time I wrestled with it hard, I was like, ah, but then again, and so I was like, well, that's their conscience. You know, they're going to do it. And, uh, and where these guys are, I mean, I know guys that just have done such amazing missionary work effectively uh, in, in chaplaincy. So, you know, that could be an argument, but it's not for us because we, none of those things have been what we, uh, the reasons that we're not in politics. We've done those things and then not gotten involved in politics. You would think we would do those things to get involved in politics. <laughs> We just don't think that way. We're naive. Uh, I mean, we are. Uh, Missouri Senate, I don't, I don't know. In terms of the study of like grand networks of humanity over time, civilizations, right? I mean, uh, Dan Carlin's got a leg up on studying civilizations, I think. But but I don't, I don't know. How do you do it? And how do you do the one you're in? And then how do you do the microcosm uh, of the one you're in, namely the Missouri Senate? How would you begin to put yourself in a history that can comprehend it, right? So, so. They come over here following this guy named Stefan, who's effectively a cult leader. And we can debate the history of his uh, um, decision-making and the de jurisdiction of his punishments and all these things. But, but no matter how you spin it, people follow this guy across the planet. A lot of them die on the way. A third of them die on the way. A lot of the luggage in the ship that goes down. Three ships. Whole communities. Five pastors. They come over here. There's a problem. This guy who was previously God's bishop on earth and the one to whom they swore homage is now gone. 
And you got these five young pastors and these hundreds of, of German immigrants miles away from St. Louis, in the middle of nowhere, some land, some stuff, and they had to figure it out. And God bless them. God bless them for figuring it out. But let me suggest that the cult in which they were left tendrils in our history. And naivety might be one of them when it comes to our relationship with the outside world. And charlatans and liars and thieves. Let me suggest, Missouri, let me suggest, for what that's worth, we got a super chat to distract us real quick. Ten bucks from Jedi Knight Anakin Cringewalker. He's always got the big questions, though. We might have to come back to this one. He says, when Moses sees the black si- the backside of the Lord, <laughs> um, it could have some fun memes with that uh, if, if it was in good humor. Marvel could, could do something with it. Um, racist. It's all racist. All the time. It's amazing. I, I kind of like having you on my face, though, Jedi. That's kind of cool. Uh, when Moses sees the backside of the Lord, might this be him seeing Jesus at transfiguration? I've had that thought, man. I've pitched that thought uh, on this show. I like that thought. You know, it's all like Doctor Strange, Time Lord-ish, right? It's kind of sweet, though. Why not? The thing is, you can't make a dogma out of it. I should answer with my face up here. You can't make a dogma out of it. So imagine it that way. Sure. But like, leave it there as pious myth, right? That's the best it's ever going to be. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you would use it to point back to the real thing, which is the fact that Moses saw it you know, Jesus for sure when he saw the backside of the Lord. Now, how? I, I don't know what it looked like. I don't know. Um, yeah, and, and instead being the end of his earthly life rather than his physical form. Um, yeah, I, so so that's my thought. I, I But I don't know what to make of that. And would it really work out? I mean, because Elijah's also on the same mountain uh, as Moses uh, uh, years and years ago, right? So uh, could it all be some kind of a trans-time cosmic portal. I mean, why not? But then again, why does it matter too? Only because we don't believe in miracles anymore. <laughs> right? And so we got to have like trans time cosmic portals because miracles would, you know, not explain it. And, and trans time cosmic portals are explained by science. We swear. There's a theory about a multiverse with strings in it and stuff. <laughs> so, so yeah, anyway, a bit of a tangent uh, from the super chat. Thanks Jedi Knight. Appreciate super chats as always. Sarah's question. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. I think it has a lot more to do uh, with our insular nature, one of the inherited realities of being both an immigrant people and perhaps having a cult-like tendency and, and fearing and distrusting others, which served us well in many ways, I might say. Um, uh, but, but it might be the, the, uh, the belief you can take care of your own affairs and then the outside world take care of its own affairs and will leave you alone. That's a very German belief, I think, if I know anything about Germans. And maybe I don't. I don't know about modern ones over there, too. I'm talking about the ones that, you know, came over in the 1800s. Um, yeah. So, thanks for the comment. KK says, I told my pastor that a few weeks ago, I feel like Daniel at times. Oh. Lions. Oh. They're going to eat your body? But they can't? No, can't? Swallow your soul? Anybody? I mean, Bueller. I Sorry, I should have waited longer. I should have let it hang. That one's like got to be hard to catch and yet not hard to catch at all. Gen X, people. Gen X. Hello. Um, I told my pastor a few weeks ago, I feel like Daniel at times. Oh, them lions. Uh, Participating with his streamed services in front of my large living room picture window, standing, singing, kneeling, responding in front of the TV for all my neighbors to see. Um, Well, that's cool. That is cool. Um, Thankfully, you've not had the commandment not to do that. Um, I've been doing something similar recently. 
uh, and uh, I, so, so I, can, I can empathize, right? I can, I can feel you. Uh, I really love being outside. Uh, I never thought that I was outdoorsy, although my, my wife is slowly maybe convincing me. Um, I misjudged my own opinion of that. I need to reconsider. Um, but because I've always loved, I love fresh air and I love being outside. So for me, getting outside in the morning, if at all possible, with a cup of coffee, please, uh, is, is just, you know, a half a block from heaven. Uh, and, and one of the things I've been trying to make a habit recently. I mean, just really, I've been up and down on this one for years. I've talked about it. It's, it's in our catechism. I mean, the idea is that you would say the creed, the commandments, and the Lord's Prayer, whatever order, I have a particular one, every morning, like early. Like, it's not that much to consider that, you know, the carpus, the fruit of the Spirit in you in faith might, in fact, confess it, <laughs> um, pray about it, uh, and then, you know, have some guidelines for life to follow. Uh, you might do that with your religion in the morning and call that worship. So I, I've been trying to do that uh, and, and uh, doing it outside with my cup of coffee. And what's interesting, I mean, early in the morning, it's a little quieter out there, um, but your voice will carry too. And, and so uh, bec I became very conscious of the magnitude of my voice in confessing the creed and praying the Lord's prayer and uh, saying the 10 commandments. And initially I was very much, even though I know nobody could hear me, no one was listening, but I was still like, well, you know, you know, neighborliness. Right. And so I was just, I would just be very kind of um, quiet about it. And then I realized that it, it wasn't neighborliness. It was fear. <laughs> Why am I afraid? It's like, well, someone might hear me. Okay, I get it. I'm in a neighborhood. Yeah, it's morning. Okay, someone might hear me what? Say Jesus' name out loud. I woke them up. They heard me praying on my lawn. Good. <laughs> so I, so ever since I've been like, Jonathan, just say it out loud a little louder today. And still, I'm not very far at all, right? And I, it's so it's so counterintuitive. But like, I have this like dream of like every morning, go out on my lawn, stand there with the sunshine, right? Of course, the, you know, the wind's going to be blowing the waves and, and, and everything, right? It's just all gorgeous yoga mat and shouting the creed. And like, you know, everyone's like in, in every neighborhood, we're all doing it. Bells are tolling. I, you know, I don't know. It's the dream of a civilization we don't have. Bells might toll here for prayer someday anyway. Might as well have our own way of dealing with it if you want to be like Daniel. Just saying. Good comment. What a tangent, eh? Good stuff. We are in a unique time. And uh, there's no question that the more you are practicing your religion in your house, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> you know, the more that you are home, the more you are doing that now. And the more you're doing that now, the more you're going to do that now. So hopefully this can snowball us into some real substantial uh, devotion. And I don't mean that in like, oh, we all did our daily prayer today. I mean like, no, we're just devoted people, devoted to our Christianity. Uh, hmm. Speaking of devotion, misdevotion, misguidedness, and, and then a few more things, uh, a magical tremor of Miss Templars and so forth. The Templar drop that I, uh, I threw out there has... Um, rippled. Well, it was supposed to. I mean, for goodness sakes, if Assassin's Creed can just completely make up whatever they want in the name of the Knights Templar, 
And everyone's just going to like believe like in, in the next group of people, they're going to believe the Knights Templar are like time travelers who have computers, things to go back and do stuff in Italy. I mean, and then get stopped by, by the assassins. I mean, like if, if they can use that word, this is in some ways, and I'm so thankful for this letter. I want what I say as I engage you, if you know who you are and you already say, oh, that's my letter. I'm so thankful for this. And I want you to take my response to this as me genuinely grappling with what you've said. I am not, I'm not against you. Um, but I really, you are, you are demonstrating for me my problem. My problem with what I think is the Missouri Synod. Now, if you're not Missouri Synod, that's the thing because, no, which way is it? It's that way. If I do this, oh, there's, I can look at it. Uh, if you're not Missouri Synod, you sure talk like us. I think he nailed us down here pretty good, both in terms of our uh, the way we would handle conflict and also in terms of um, our fear of being misunderstood and the way that we then shackle the gospel, the actual one, the words, like the Greek words even, um, because we're afraid people might misunderstand it. And I've been watching this one since my, my broken doctrinal review. That was one of the conversations. God is too free. People might sin. I'm, I'm pretty sure that argument came up twice in Scripture, and both times the answer wasn't to not be free. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, so uh, Templars. If Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft, can make millions, probably billions off the phrase, the name Templars, without ever being connected to the history of the Templars, why can't I just talk about it on my show as a cool idea? That's that's the thing. I don't get that, right? How is it that dangerous as an idea? Are you really afraid I'm going to succeed at refounding the Knights Templar? Is that really the concern? I have no intention to refound the Knights Templar. Actually, we're so close to each other. I love, I love where you're going to go in this. We're so close to each other. Um, but it's, it, there's like, there's a misunderstanding of me, I think, uh, by you. So, um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's my arrogance. Let's see. So uh, we have two comments on this, by the way, this is the first one. Not sure why uh, you, me, Fisk has taken up appropriation of Knights Templar language imagery lately. Now I can, I can stop us right there and I can tell you exactly why I have. It's because... We have no men, especially in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. No place for men. <clears throat> and the only place in Christianity in America that I see a place for men I'd want to go to, they're called the Knights of Columbus, right? So there's no way I'm ever going to call anything I create Knights Templar to begin with because I can't use the word Knights again. So just kind of put that in the hopper, okay? But there's something about the Knights language and there's something about the language of Templar that perks your ear. What is it? Mystery? Yeah, absolutely. A history of being mm, powerful, misunderstood, still around. Right. There's a lure. There's a lure to the word Templar. And so I'm like, hey, that's a cool word. What could we do as men of Christ? Sons of David. Well, there's a couple cool words too. 
But then the thing that just happened in my life was I, I was just pondering all these things. And then I decided, you know, the Templars are a really misunderstood thing. I've heard all sorts of stuff about them. And I'm pretty sure Ubisoft's wrong about all of it. But what I have heard from everybody else is like, wow, they were so bad. Oh, okay. I'm curious what they were bad about and how and where and when they were bad, this organization that lasted for centuries. They were bad the whole time, right? So I got a book about it. I'm listening to it. It's fantastic. Uh, I do not have the title off the top of my head. Uh, it's the only one I could find on Audible that was really about the Templars. It's really good. And honestly, part of the reason I like the Templar image is because what the word means. You know what the word means? Temple. Right? of the temple, knights of the temple. These are guys who, after the crusade, first one, having taken the temple back, and I'm not going to justify that war. I have no idea. I have no clue. But these guys, pious guys, following their Romans 13 leaders and not questioning them, okay, they end up there with nothing left. These were landed-ish people. Landed-ish men in England or Spain or what have you. I forget where this particular group is from, but they don't have land now. All they got is their horse and their sword and some armor. And they're in this little city of Christians in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by people who would like to take the city back. And while again, I'm not going to justify that war, these guys decided that they would not start a military to go and take more ground. They decided that they would simply vow to accompany sojourners trying to get to the city to protect them from bandits and thieves, which were attacking everybody. These knights who helped you walk the road to the temple. Now, that was their foundation. And frankly, what is a preacher of the gospel if he is not a knight who walks you to the temple of Jesus Christ's resurrected body? So forgive me if I'm not like, you know, there's a little more going on here. Um, but I don't want to refound the Knights Templar. I don't. What I think is they're misunderstood, and I want to understand them. That's it. That's my dig. And then whatever I'm trying to understand, I talk about on this show. Because what? It's entertaining. Because you're out there to correct me. <laughs> uh, because it's what I do. I don't know. The Lord put me here. He put you there. We're doing what we do. Huh? Um, now, the comment was more to get into some other stuff, but I really wanted to answer that. Why am I thinking about it? Because I have every intention <clears throat> for my own part of considering myself something. Something that I am going to try to be the rest of my life. And that something's going to embody being a Christian and a man. And maybe that's it. The men of Christianity. I don't know. But I'm looking for a way to say it for myself. My own head. And I write it down. And uh, Knights Templar just happens to be in a much better direction in my head than, say, Lutheran layman's extraordinary gentleman and stuff. As cool as that could have been, the movie was terrible. The comic book seemed like it was maybe okay. And I'm not talking about the Lutheran Hour because that was a good thing. We just forgot to listen to the pioneers for some reason. So didn't I have a whole episode speaking against Freemasonry? Yeah, I tried to. I couldn't find anybody to talk to me about it. I really wanted to learn a lot more about it. 
And I, I asked out there, does anybody know anything more than just your average Lutheran pastor about Freemasonry and like cr crickets? And then it was off the radar because it is not the primary thing I'm chasing right now. So yeah, I got a problem with Freemasonry. Uh, and if they're trying to reappropriate the Knights nice Templar, I don't blame them. It's genius marketing. <laughs> it's, and they probably will succeed at it because they will fearlessly do it. And to some extent, they might even have like half a connection. Not really. Uh, such It's such a joke, Freemasonry. Uh, anyway, I, they mean well, I think. But Continuing this topic, um, I know you're the one, uh, where'd it go? I know you're the one to drop terms that have been corrupted by the pagans or heterodoxy, unless you can effectively redeem the language. Is that what you're trying to do with talking about the Templars now? Um, I'm actually trying to, to use the concept of the Templars as I learn about it to lead people into understanding the temple of the body of Jesus Christ and their own tie into that uh, as a, a metaphor for effectively teaching over the course of maybe two to three weeks and leaving it behind after that. So that's kind of where I'm at in what I'm doing. Now, maybe one of my followers is in fact going to join the Knights Templar or start them. I, I don't know. This is the challenge with, with information is you put it out there and people do stuff with it. All I can do is answer your questions, right? And, and the, the alternative is silence and crickets and let the world tell us what we're supposed to think about. So that's why I keep doing it, right? I keep talking. Um, so uh, do you want to bring it back to the 12th century? No, not really. Although COVID, I mean, it's not, it's interesting. The pace of life is nice here. I wonder what stress was like in the 12th century. Um, I'm sure that it was a worse life because the Proverbs excuse me, Ecclesiastes. It's a marvelous verse. Uh, do not ask about those greater days of old where they have, where have they gone? Such questions are not wise. Yes, paraphrase, but um, yeah, no, not really. Um, I pretty much want to live today with a deep and abiding understanding of my faith drawn from scripture alone and uh, unvarnished according to what the world would have me uh, fit it into. And so the fact that Christians are the Knights of the Temple, actually, I mean, you know, I'm not going to necessarily try to redeem the word, but I'm not going to not talk about how the word's redeemable because it is, because it's our word. They take all our words. <sighs> do I want to bring it back to the 12th century? If you, if you do, if so, great. You do you. Okay, so this, okay. Ah, blah, 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 blah. I need to make a space just so we can see. So this is where, like, this is the Missouri Senate thing a little bit. And it doesn't matter, but like, this is where we just talk past each other, right? So... And it's sort of like, this is a like more of a Gen X millennial Missouri Synod. Like it would have been way harsher a generation ago. I, like, I don't think he would have written. He would have been like, like writing to my DP instead. <laughs> uh, so, so that's nice that we're in a better place, but there's like a subtle uh, aggression in this, right? So if so, great, you do you. No, you don't really mean that at all, right? That's not what that means. It doesn't mean you're happy I'm doing what I'm doing. And that kind of language in any kind of dialogue is just going to disrupt the dialogue. So that, that's, I'm just going to leave that like that. Right. Um, and, and I get it. I get it. I say stuff. It's annoying. <laughs> My wife has to live with me, man. Pray for the woman. So, so you do you, but, but again, maybe just be a little more careful sometimes. I want to go off on that for some reason. I'm going to try not to. Uh, it's easier for someone to understand what you're doing with your magic language. I think that's all fair. And I think that can be pretty useful, but if it's not obvious what you're doing, any helpfulness quickly fades away. So um, that's a nice comment. I like that one better than the, the, the first one here. Um, <clears throat> and it's not that I don't like it, but here's the problem with this, this comment. So you're sending me, I don't know, I really don't know who you are, right? And you're sending me a long email criticizing me. Okay, cool, whatever. Like, it's worth it. Uh, uh, it's worth for me to learn from you. Um, I'm not offended, I'm not hurt. But as far as advice goes, 
how would you advise me to be a little more careful sometimes? <laughs> you know, like if that's, if that's the gist of this is you're mad that I made a mistake because I do that sometimes. And you think the answer is that you need to tell me to be more careful as if the reason for the mistake is that I'm never careful or I have no intention of being careful. So now we're again, we're just talking past each other. And what you've accused me of is a motive, right? As opposed to say an, an error, an error that can be corrected. So what is it about the Templars that needs to be corrected? Their connection to Freemasonry, according to the mythology of Freemasonry, which ought to be exposed, <laughs> right? So, so that's less about correcting the Templars, more exposing Freemasonry, which I'd love to spend more time doing. And anybody who's a, who's a professional at it is welcome to come on and talk to me anytime, um, provided you actually have credentials and know what you're talking about. So, sorry, my nose is running. I'm on camera. I should boom, but I want to keep going to this other bit of the comment, though, because here's the thing. So, you know... The, the magic language, you know, thinking of, the, of your, your confirmation verse as the spell you got at the Harry Potter, you know, wizarding uh, wand school, 33 and a fourth half place, right? And, um, <laughs> uh, but your comment then that that idea is, is useful, but not, if it's not obvious that helpfulness fades away, I think you're, you're missing something else about what I do in general, which is this. I try stuff. And a lot of the usefulness of it falls away and you get to watch and you get to keep the good stuff and not have to try the stuff. That's what I do. I do it on camera for you, for all of you, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm your fool. I mean, really, in, in, the, in, the most, in the most marvelously 12th century sense, Missouri Synod, I'm your fool. So realize it. And maybe study what fools were for. Now, I'm not talking biblical fool. That's a different thing. Okay? But study what fools were for in the court. I'm your fool. Glad to be it. Because it takes a bar to do it. Friends. Roll 20. I've said it before. Uh, I much appreciate... Oh, uh, let me say. Uh, I do what I do. That... Uh, the, the value then in what in this exposure of me trying things is curiosity. So it, it, it tickles curiosity and that my endeavor is always to pull your curiosity back to the substantial that never changes. And I continue to do that, I think. And the day I don't do that, please stop listening to me. Please take away all your funding of me. Please decry me, defrock me, and throw me away. Right? But until that time, um, just you know, pity the fool. Oh, I can't believe how cool that was. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that was that's so Gen X. That was so Gen X. Love it. Love it. Rocky three. If you have not, you should. Really? You've never seen Mr. T like that before. No, you haven't. Oh, it's good. It's good stuff. Um uh, uh, so 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 this dialogue continues in your comments. I can these are valuable to me. I don't want to be heard as dismissing you, even though I really disagree, right? And I'm definitely uh, emotional when I talk. <laughs> so, so please don't hear this as dismissed. In fact, I'm going to take your be more careful really seriously. That's the problem with it as a comment though, is like, I, I can't apply it. Like I'm, I'm going to run around trying to be more careful and all I'll do is be anxious about being more careful. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what, about the Templars, about historical facts, about, uh, about what? So and you, you get into a little more here. You know, I've said this before. I appreciate your tact, but you can be pretty sloppy sometimes in, in, in some of your language. Mostly referring to anything not the scriptures. Thank you. Um, I, I say keep up the good work, really. Okay, good. I'm thankful that you feel that way. Um, but, but perhaps take care to craft a system of your own. Oh, I love this bit. 
Perhaps take time to craft a system of your own rather than cherry-picking individual words here and there for the sake of aesthetics or something to jar people into a new perspective. I'm going to say that jarring people into a new perspective, again, is what a fool is for, and you need it. It doesn't mean he's always right, right? It just means you need to recollect and reflect sometimes. Um, I see you grab a lot of trendy things. Sometimes that's cool, but using trends definitely and carefully is just important. I agree, and I'm trying. And I, I need your patience and grace because I'm definitely going to fail. I, there's just no way. Um, so I want to come back to that other comment, but I'm going I'm to do this one first because there's a little more of the snark here, which just is like, okay, thanks for the snark. You know, God bless with snark. Um, it, not that you have to take anything I say seriously. What do you mean? Why would I read it? You sent it. Like, what does that mean? Is that it, what that does in a conversation actually is an attempt to put you on higher ground. It's not taking lower ground. It's not humble. It's higher ground. You're telling me that I have power over you as a way of making me not have power over you. Over you thinking, I don't want to hear what you're going to say. Especially if I find it snobby arrogant. I didn't really find it snobby arrogant. I found it uncouth in conversation. That's what I found it. The thing you kind of are accusing me of, <laughs> actually. Um, uh, so, so I'm an elder to you. Well, uh, you're, I am an elder to you. Well, good. And I hope that my own failings as your elder uh, don't dissuade you from continuing to consider what I've said about your words and, and the conversation, because I don't consider this a bad conversation. I consider it an easy, easily disrailed or mis yeah, derailed conversation. Um, so uh, he says, I, I've started to take yourself more seriously the last several months. Appreciate it. Me too. Uh, I... <laughs> You know, I want to be also open about some of my concerns. I suppose you could consider it an occupational hazard of allowing yourself to have fans. It certainly is. And I, I consider, I don't know if you're a fan or you would call yourself a fan. Um, I consider the fan who disagrees with me, but still keeps listening. Um, so valuable. You're marvelous. You hone me. And I might still be wrong after I get honed by you, but someone else will be right for it. So I'm so grateful for it. And I hope that my personality in the dialogue via video um, is, uh, is not too harsh. But let's, let's come back. And it, it, the snark in writing, like this, the, if we were going to send emails, we need to not send them with that kind of like, what, uh, Swedish fishing village midwinter commentary. <laughs> No, um, if, uh, let the reader from North Dakota understand. Uh, so, okay. But this, this comment here about taking some time, this is, this is what really, I just, I, I was so tickled to find this. Take some time to craft a system of your own rather than cherry picking individual words. <sighs> you speak to my heart. You really do. It's been at the back of my head. I've said it a few other places. I've said the word carpos. Um, to craft a system for confessing and remembering the faith in American Christianity in 21st century Protestantism without reverting or removing the dogmatics upon which you want everyone to stand and find, you got to break some eggs in the conversation. <laughs> And the last thing I'm going to do is like come out and tell you what I'm doing if I'm doing something that uh, as big as that, what that says. Why would I say that? You're just going to call me arrogant and tell me not to do it. <laughs> so I mean, that's what Missouri does, right? We, we trample on that kind of thing. 
So I appreciate the comment. Um, the trick is to find the words that really have our meaning in English. How do we find the real words now? How do we retranslate it right now into what we're really saying? So that when I talk about justification and then bring you to the word justification to tell you what it means, you already know what it means because you have another word it means. And you know that one's Christianity too. Yeah, um, that's not so easy. But the temple of the body of Jesus Christ is one we can't do without. So whether we use templar or temple, I don't know. But I don't think we can get away from it. And the night's part, that's fascinating. There's a whole other edge to that. And I, I got into that with uh, Pastor Coos a little bit, um, I think, right? Uh, maybe that was the, the one that didn't get recorded. Uh, but the idea that uh, there is a time... And a place for a Christian to be a neighbor who defends his house. And, and what does that mean? And, I, and that maybe is where the Knights Templar Knights comes from. But is that what we're wanting to be, what I'm wanting to be? No, I'm not. Um, I, I do want to be willing to defend my house. Yes, absolutely. But uh, that's not what, you know, if I'm going to craft a system for remembering my faith uh, for me and for confessing my faith to you uh, in the most clear way I can, well, I'm not going to import ideas that are maybes and ifs, right? I want the real thing. I want only the real thing and the substance of the real thing because that's what you're going to want. And then we got to trust that the Lord is going to use his word to build upon that doctrine, which is the body that is the temple of Jesus Christ. Uh, I trust that and I'm banking everything on it. Um, translation. The fool at work, translating in front of you. Hmm? Think of me that way. And remember that I'm pretty sure Luther had drafts in the tower. Um, I'm not working on the whole Bible either. Dear heavens, what a time. I don't want to put myself in that place. I don't want to claim anything. I don't want you to even know what I think I'm making because I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, being able to talk about what I believe, craft a system, the system I have to build with is Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics and the Book of Concord, right? Like, I got to build on that. And yet, Francis put in a lot of footnotes. They're good footnotes. But there's, there's something missing, too, back then. Uh, there's a perspective that materialism had put into the church that's missing that we need back. Um, and it has a lot to do with the word worship, by the way which I've talked about before on the show, that worship doesn't really have a good Lutheran equivalent as an English word. There's, there's not really a place to put it. It's not really a biblical word the way that we use it in English. Uh, it can be. It, it, in the Bible, you might find it as the word praise, uh, but, but not really the way we tend to use it. In any case, you know, what does that worship really mean? What's the Greek of Latruo, L-A? Uh-oh, there's no L there. L, where's my L's? L-A-T-R. Is it E-U? I don't know. And it's definitely not a W. It's an omega. But Latruo, to worship, often translated. It doesn't really mean that. And what's marvelous about it is what it does mean, the, the, the literal root of that word. But I'm going to save that for another day and just tell you, I will take your advice to take care to Latruo on my own and be careful about cherry picking. Yeah, absolutely. That's the idea. That's why you talk about it out loud before you ever publish anything, right? 
Right. Cool. Hey, I, I, I appreciate the dialogue. Meanwhile, and so I'm going to deal, I'm going to roll it back here. Ronach 924. Good morning. Lutheran Templars restoring peace to Africa. Well, slow down there. <laughs> right. And this may be what our friend uh, before was concerned about. Okay. So before we do adopt the word Templar and you use it anywhere, you do want to know it's got a lot of really negative connotations to it. <laughs> It's like super negative connotations. Uh, it is blamed for for like racial genocide. Whether or not that has anything to do with the original Knights Tem- nice Templar, I, I, I think it's evident it does not from the history. Uh, has Most of their history has a lot more to do with banks in Italy and Spain uh, than anything else. And just having a lot of money because of a tax law the Pope and the King accidentally gave them way at the founding. Blah. Okay, so whatever. But it's, it's probably not a mantle you want to take on as you go into Africa. I, I, I'll just I'll just say, you know, I, I'm totally with the previous comment. <laughs> like, let's not be the Templars. Uh, but of the temple, now you got something, right? Um, so, but your, your comment here is really, is really cool. What you are suggesting here is that people consider moving to Africa as Christians and just living there. I've never quite had the thought like this, like that. I've had the thought. I've had the thought of retiring and then just hopping over to Lutherans in Africa. <clears throat> helping out James May in my my last 15 years when I have a, a paycheck I can just rely on from whatever, maybe, investments. I don't know. COVID? What? EMP? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, right? Uh, uh, but I thought about it. But I've never thought about, like, let's do it right now. Now, my, my being a pastor maybe is is in the way of that, but it wasn't always. It, we do, pastors have to think about it differently, though. Um, but as a, as a layperson, just be like, I'm moving to Africa, you know? What's the... Uh, what's the one, the shark, the shark meme? I'm going to space. I'm going to space. At what point, this is really a fair question. At what point, America, Lutheran in America, at what point does the, the amount of first article niceties you might lose moving to Africa, uh, outweigh the spiritual gain I've never thought that through, so I'll need some time to wonder about that one for a bit. What a thought. Rockford, I'm not leaving you. Uh, so we can all go together, though. Just saying. Uh, Lutheran Templar, <laughs> I am not. Uh, that brings up tremors, right? I talked about Stefan already this episode. Uh, Lutheran Templars restoring peace to Africa. But the idea here is kind of it's, it's awesome, right? Uh, living sacrifices of teachers, welders, farmers, Marines, machine gun preacher, and Chad. Just go in and preach. Found a village. Start a kingdom. Not a kingdom. Start a church and a village. No more articles about blood diamonds, child slavery, mass murders, terrorism from the continent. Just go there and actually help. Live there. Massive tired people working brick by brick, new cement to build a resistant church of science, uh, a church resistant to scientism, Islam, and mammon. Mammon. Um, I mean, I can catch the vision. I really can. Uh, absolutely. That's fun. Um, how realistic this is, I don't know. But Templars, let's not brand it that way. Um, Lutherans in Africa, they're there already. I'm sure they would help you find a way to get there, whoever you are. And don't go just because I said so. Like, don't ruin your life like that. Talk to some people, but uh, or just because Ronox said so. Um, but this is a cool idea. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. Is this? Are you James May? Are you James May? Because Brian Wolfmuller super chats to get this kind of publicity. Just so you know. <laughs> the harvest is plenty the workers are few maybe a romantic Lutheran order of knights can be a little more resistant to the corrupted and bent forces coursing through these hearts you know, that's, that's a thought isn't it though yeah whether in Africa or here that, that's a thought isn't it though yeah so <laughs> glitch in the matrix and if that was an easter egg it was on purpose in order 
to make like a fourth level, fifth level point. So have fun with that one. I'm pausing just so you can chase it if you want to. Ponder it, right? In any case, having people who check and balance the government, right? It would be a semi-authoritarian versus do- be a doctrine. The, the, now, you're, now you're getting into like governance for the area, right? Now that, that's part of the question. How do you organize yourself? Do you all vow to, to, to submit forever to the bishop who leads you across the sea, right? As we did last time. Uh, not, not the best idea. Uh, maybe each congregation assembles votes interest. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're, you're in the weeds there a little bit. And I find that interesting. You'd really want to hash that out before you moved across the planet. <laughs> but um, that's where I'd be most scared to move anywhere with a bunch of Lutherans is when they start talking about, you know, good order, good, not order, <laughs> very organized, not order. Uh, uh, so um, that's worrisome to me, but uh, yeah. Who do you move into the middle of nowhere with randomly ever? Not a great idea. Go watch, by the way, speaking of Rex, a documentary called Off the Grid. Oof. Oof. British Columbia. Sounds nice to be in nature. I mean, seriously. Your daughter who wants to be a vegan, make her watch that one. <laughs> she, can, she can see the lady who's also a vegan who lives in her, her, her mud hut built of buried tires and wears clothing of scrap that she kind of... I don't know, made herself. Um, it's a stunning documentary off the grid. Netflix, it was free a month ago. In any case, uh, maybe uh, continuing the idea of, of uh, a Sendling, that'd be like authentically German. Uh, the Sendlings were those who went from Germany to areas of uh, the northern plains of the United States in order to be the founders of churches. They were all pastors, uh, but they they were sent to plant churches amongst Germans who were already there, right? And they were very successful at it. And these, you know, what about the other people who were there? There weren't any. These were the pioneers. They went out among the pioneers. These were amazing people, right? Um, so uh, in, in any case, um, having s- sent Christians who desire to just move to translocate globally while we still can uh, to a place where they might die or might be free to be Christians. It, that's just a really cool thought, right? How can I not be excited about that? May, I, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, honey, honey. I'm, we're not going anywhere other than the house that we're buying. Okay. Okay. But, but not yet, not till I'm 65 or more, but the, um, the idea is glorious. Why haven't we thought of it before? Maybe curriculum, the daily crusade of uh, self-drowning for our neighbor. That battle starts at each dawn. How about starting with the volunteer work of printing and binding Concordia in Swahili? Sounds like LIA to me. Uh, for frontline troops, the establishment of seminary universities as war camps. Yeah, you want to move. You want to move mountains now. You want institutions to change? Sorry, my friend. Not happening. Uh, a free volunteer run 101 info course. Yeah, there's all good ideas. Run ads in every college campus in the USA. Yeah, just run it for Christians to go to Africa and live there and like fix it. Not fix it. That's wrong. That was so white of me to say that. And I mean that. Not fix it. Fix us by being there with them. And then as people who are good neighbors, as opposed to the thieves that many of them live with, fix ourselves together. Christians, what a thought! You'd have people, you'd have you'd have college kids from all over the world going there. Now you do want to be ready for that. You need someone there to catch that flood. Just the just the campaign with the forget the rest of it. Just the campaign to get college kids to show up at your Nairobi. Is it Nairobi? Where you at? Is this James? You know, you'd have people showing up out of nowhere, running those ads. What an idea! Who's got the time? I'll point to them. You make them. Oh, that's cool. Don't call it Templars. Uh-oh.
Don't call it Templars. Don't call it Templars. That gets us to the bottom of the officially brought to you questions and comments from the grab bag frisbee the hand prepared it for me we are only an hour and 15 minutes into the show which means we've got lots of time ahead of us here to deal with whatever you want to bring up in the comments on the side i can dig into some other random stuff if you need me to and of course um yeah that's that's a good place a good place to go so <clears throat> excuse me and Dino Planet's checking out uh radke's asking the question uh, if it's touching an important point or he's saying something uh, touch on an important point what makes a Christian man, especially in this present darkness, a knightly order would certainly help re-sync that. In order, any order would help re-sync S-Y-N-C, um, re-sync us. That's just it. The, the disorder that we have been shuttled into as a people, and I'm not talking Lutherans now, and I'm not necessarily even talking Christians, I'm talking the real matrix that's going on right now, which is media conglomerate money gobbling algorithms. I'm not sure there's a person in charge and conspiracy theory, schmiracy theory, I don't care. It looks bad right now for Christianity. Uh, and to be, to be, that was a bad transition. It looks bad right now for humanity. It looks bad right now for human rights. China, who we're supposed to be like, who, oh, look at my narcissism, uh, who, who, who is also kind of accidentally, maybe, behind everything that's going on right now, is a totalitarian regime that squashes free thought, keeps Christianity out, and we've been like all gaga-eyed over them ever since uh, Yao Ming, MBA, for whatever reason. Now China's great. So they're our friend. They're the future of global blah, blah. Well, yeah, we got a lot of business over there. That's why you're hearing that, because the businesses want us to be happy with stuff coming from China. Now, I'm not against China either, by the way. Uh, so before you, you get on me on that, what I am saying is that uh, the disorder, which has been plugged into our heads through being raised on mass media, which I'm going to call the matrix from now on, uh, that disorder is so massive that any attempt at making an order together is going to be like light in the darkness to people, especially as young men, by the way. Ladies, I'm glad you're here watching. Really am. You're not my target audience. Never have been. First time I turn on a camera. Target audience, young men. Like me at that point. Like me now. Like me when I'm 65, young men, to create order, to have order, to see order. Romans 13, it's quoted left and right. What does it mean? Why are we dealing with that? Actually, I think that's a good place to transition. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a tangent into the thing that's not Fisk, which is the Bible, the thing that I can speak without being too sloppy love it about uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us back to some of that Romans 13 here in just a moment. We're going to dig into the paramount passage of the Bible for talking about why we do what the government says in general, and also maybe even, you know, um, what that limitation might be. So pardon that this isn't as perfect as it could be, but do, do by all means try to enjoy the music. All right. So Romans 13, it's the end of the book. Paul said a lot of stuff. I mean, it's 12 chapters. There's so much that's gone on before this that context is almost not worth uh, 
going into. We just have to go study the book. It is a book about justification in Jesus. It is a book about how he is the excuse God made to himself on your behalf for what you have done and how that is an everlasting reality guaranteed you in the resurrection of one man, Jesus Christ. We spent a lot of time on that idea. Uh, and it leads to a belief that we are different now <clears throat> as Christians, different than humanity, substantially different. Physically, no. Substantially, yes. Physically, yes. Substantially, yes. If we're talking about the actual resurrected body, the temple, Jesus of Nazareth, who then, by means of his gifts, which Paul does not get into in terms of bread and wine, but definitely in terms of water, ties that body to us in such a way that the grave cannot contain us, in such a way that our sin, though we still see it, cannot overpower or overcome us. Rather, we are driven to confess it more and more, and then to believe firmly in the electing power of God to steer our ship, us together, Christians, but then also individually through it. And that in this, the spiritual act of, oh, is it worship? Did I talk about worship already today? The spiritual act, oh, and I hit the wrong button. This will work. We'll do it like this. Come on. The spiritual act of, of worship. I appeal to you, verse, chapter 12, verse 1, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your your spiritual worship, the struggle to translate that verse, rational service. <laughs> Why don't they do that one? It doesn't sound as pretty. Can't put it on a card. Um, that has been one I've heard butchered often enough as, you know, uh, milk toast, easy life American Christians try to like encourage each other to, to have more zeal, right? And, and like, I get it. I grew up in that. I didn't have much zeal and it was probably directly related to the lack of awareness of the suffering I was under by means of the numbing power of the matrix. But hey, whatever. Um, the point here is that Paul has culminated this long treatise on the resurrection of Jesus by emphasizing the Holy Spirit making us be something. And he calls that word worship here a little bit. Um, that there is sacrifice personally involved with what this means. Like you're not going to be your old self. There's going to be death involved. That's going to hurt. It's going to be distinct. That is holy. That is unlike the rest of the world. And that it is going to be received by God, acceptable to God. So the worship a Christian has is acceptable to God because Jesus is acceptable and you're in Jesus. There's nothing that you do then even the worst of you, that isn't acceptable to God in Jesus, even though in Jesus, what would you do then? But repent of it and try not to do it again. Uh, so all that's there about worship, not being conformed to the world, being distinct, we could get really into that. And I really, you know, to emphasize the word worship here, which means to put your face on the ground in the dirt, um, that's when we should come back to. But out of that idea of this renewed life, this different, this karpos, fruitful Christian life, that out of that, uh, looking different, we would engage the world with the Ten Commandments in general. Uh, but then he breaks that down a bit more. And in, in chapter 13, he's going to get into the Fourth Commandment and what it means to have father and mother of a civilization. And then we can go into the details of, you know, how do we get from father and mother to uh, master of an area, like an owner of a compound or a sheik or something like that, up to big national government level headships. Like we could get into that political theory if you want from a, a knowing God, what the Bible says about authority sense, uh, like that it all comes from father and mother. But the point here is not that. The point is just that it's, it, it, Paul's point in Romans 13 is that 
It's just here. The fourth commandment is here. And there's nothing you can do about it to stop it. In fact, you don't want to because it's good. And you want to live in it and with it. Not under it as if you had to keep it, but on it as if it were the way the design was made to be. Because that's what it is. And so that's what he's going to describe here is what the design is made to be. And from that, we're able to know what we're supposed to do, what a good Christian would do. We're also supposed to know that our justification, our being excused by Jesus' blood, that, that this, um, this cannot be undone by our failure to do this perfectly enough in some sort of narrow way, uh, nor um, nor is this the final word from Scripture on the topic of do you have to do what your parents tell you? what your government tells you, what your pastor tells you, what your boss tells you. Do you have to? It's the wrong question. Paul says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And he doesn't define it much there. He's going to define it in a moment. He's going to talk about kings, monarchy. You ever hear me say, I'm a monarchist, it's because the Bible teaches monarchy? as a thing that happens and is to be under. And it doesn't really teach any other system of governance at all. Jesus is a king, so I'm pretty sure monarchy is going to be restored. I'm convinced I don't want a monarch, even though I am a monarchist. Uh, I don't want a monarch because I know the one I'd get right now will be a fallen man just like me. <clears throat> and I don't want him to have that. I'd just as soon be a member of a republic as I am indeed a citizen of these here United States. So, uh, uh, which if you moved to Africa, you would lose that, by the way, something really worth considering, those of you who might take up arms in such a way. Not arms, not arms, but you know, Bibles. Um, <clears throat> the authorities that are around us, that are, that are here to govern us, without defining them specifically, are the way that God manages the world. He nudges through the authority itself and through its protection of the good that was created first in father, mother, parent, child, right? He, he lets that good remain supported by his everlasting will. And it nudges us away from the cliffs we keep trying to drive ourselves off of. So that good governments do indeed conquer and destroy bad governments. It happens. And the idea that we would stop is kind of silly. Why would you stop when that government's going to destroy you if you do, right? Uh, why would you stop when that government's going to destroy itself? If you do, if you really believe in truth, then you don't believe it's wrong to, in fact, lead other people to new ideas and new things. And even, in fact, perhaps do so in the form of a government. That, that, that all is there. That can all be there. Okay. But <clears throat> Christianity teaches then that whatever one you're under, right? That's what this is saying right here, right now. Chapter 13, whatever one you're under right now, insofar as it is your task to be under them, be under them. Father, mother, boss, you know, neighborhood homeowners association. I don't know. Respect the authority and order where it is found initially and because it is there as the curb which God has built into civilization itself. And we do not want to disrupt the order itself. There is no order. There is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And this goes for the king. And he's going to say this goes then for presidents who are 
to administer constitutions that are the proper authority, which protects the authority of the individual citizen and his right to life, liberty, all that stuff. So you, you can run down that train with this if you want. You can run down the monarchy train with this if you want. It really doesn't matter. The point is that where you are, well, you're under it. Does that mean don't change it? No, it hasn't said that. Especially the United States, which is built to be de- debated in theory. <laughs> um you know, it, you would you would want to have a positive influence on the civilization around you. It's not that you don't want to make it better, but to recognize that the order itself is from God. It's not the it's never the order that's the problem. It might be the institution, but it was never the purpose of the institution that was the problem. I shouldn't say never, but in in general, right? So, in this, it can be said that whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Right. So, to resist what the government that we have that you have wherever you are to resist what they tell you to do means you're going to resist the order God is using to keep the planet from falling apart and that you're going to then incur judgment. Now, what you got to do like immediately here is ask, who's the judge? Who's the judge that Paul's worried about right there? Please do not put Jesus or God in that answer because he's going to tell you who your judge is and where the judgment will come. The point here is not to say never resist authorities. The point here is to say that if you do, get ready because God's not going to break the order to save your bum. And if that's what's going to happen because of the confession of the faith, he's not there to save your bum anyway. He's there to have your bum lifted up for all to see. Golf, that sounded terrible. To have your bum paddled by the world, humiliating you so that you might confess Jesus has risen from the dead right before you die. That would be the judgment that could happen should you disobey the authorities in regard to your Christianity. True, right? And if you resist, you will incur it. And he says as much, which we should then believe. That's what the order is for. And we should even rejoice in that. Thank you, officer, for doing your duty and protecting the the people from such vile and evil criminals. It is unfortunate that I myself have been considered one of them for believing some guy rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, but so be it, you know. But the judgment's going to be there. For rulers who are not, and the point, verse 3 explains this. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Who's the judge? The ruler? Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good. Well, we should be doing that anyway. He says that other places in this book and elsewhere. Do what is good. You will receive approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Who? The ruler, the king, the monarch, whatever you want to call it. The the head, the leader, the authority, the mayor, the governor, you know, the, the legislative whip. I mean, what there's... There, it, we try to get away from like monarchy by, by like this random thing of changing names, right? There's a head to the body. There's always a head to the body. So they're there for good. Uh, so do what is good and you will receive approval from the head, right? In general, order is good. For the one who is put in authority over you is there as God's servant for good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. He does not bear the sword in vain. Right, the punishment's real. He is the servant of God and avenger. Yes, there are avengers in the Bible. They're called politicians. <laughs> ah, so sad. Um, it, no, whoever would be the one who exercises authority, father over child, uh, boss, entrepreneur over business, over a neighbor, right? For the sake of serving the neighbor even, right? But the authority of creating the craft, having a price, all those kinds of things. It's all there to be used for the good, but God will punish the wrongdoer, the one who tries to break authority, who tries to steal, and the government's there for that very reality. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So you're supposed to be doing what your government says, generally speaking, 
Because God put you there under that government and to avoid your conscience being attacked by you thinking you're disobeying God by disobeying the government in general, you should always obey the government. That's the, that's the point. Yeah. This is why you pay taxes, which I'd rather not pay taxes and obey the government. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> just saying, um, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. What good order. Pay to all what is owed. And this is like for everything, right? Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. He doesn't mention the king here. That's Peter. Honor the king. So within that teaching, the question of the day in my, my world is, does that mean that you can never disobey the government? Oh, look, am I wearing that? Shirt on. I don't want to move Jesus out of the way for for the snake, snake on a pole, but different thing. But was it wrong to join the Revolutionary War? It's a question I think a lot of seminarians will throw out there. I don't know that we've ever really debated it well, or I've ever seen a work on it where we we hashed out like what might be the the long term ramifications of such a thing. But we are where we are now, which makes me a natural born citizen of the United States, uh, which means that my duty is doubly complicated because I think that Romans 13 has place, has room for you to disobey the king. I think if the king is there, the servant of, of God, an avenger who has gone mad and is avenging on everybody and you happen to be the golden-handed um, bodyguard who puts him down, uh, let the reader understand that one too. Um, well, if that saves the world and you get executed for doing it, as a Christian, I kind of say, do it. You know, I mean, I'll die for my neighbor. And and that idea then is, is right in what this text says. That if and when you're going to disobey the government, recognize that God's authority in that order is not going to go away. He has no miracle plan to remove you, per se, from any punishment that may come. Rather, when you disobey the government, expect it to punish you, because that's what God does. But that by no means says, so obey the government no matter what and have no conscience whenever they tell you to do whatever. Like, this is just not what Romans 13 says, says at all. There was another piece there that I wanted to give you right at the end. Oh, but I've, I've totally lost it here. When do you disobey the government? When you're ready? When you're ready to take the consequences? Oh, that was the other piece. And the question as an American now is different because... Paul doesn't really envision a government in which you are the head of the government. And as an American citizen, technically that's true. So I can't really disobey the federal government. I can break its laws and be punished according to its rules and lose my rights. But there's no like law that says... Um, I am, I am forced to obey whatever federal government law comes. Rather, there's a bunch of stuff about, say, you know, Congress, <laughs> you know, things we don't necessarily even do anymore sometimes when it comes to law. Um, so what I'm saying there is this, that, that as a Christian, I think I am now conscious bound to pledge allegiance to the republic for which the flag stands, even though that flag's, man, has it had a bad 50 years. Um I, I got to pledge allegiance to it because that's what it means to be a citizen of this country. It's why we are here. It's what makes us great that we do care about our neighbors. 
We care about our country. Uh, and we don't care what color your skin is, and we don't care what language you have that you speak also with whatever common tongue we're using today. It's a great place to live. And I, I do think that Christians are duty-bound for that reason to disobey their local or state or federal government uh, as citizens, if and when they as citizens think that's what they're supposed to do to protect their citizenship. And I'm, I'm not, I don't got a compound with like guns out there to go hide and stuff. I mean, you know, you come, I mean, very pretty mellow in general, <laughs> lazy even. But um, I'm not going to pretend like this country wasn't here and isn't here as the first world experience that it is on the back of, on the back of a belief in human life and the value of human life. And so when my government tells me to deny that, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to deny the value of human life, whether by force or by word. And, and then that goes all the way to everything from your freedom of speech to your right to be born. Uh, you know, the pro-life movement has done a good job of getting a lot of people into politics. Not many Lutherans, for some reason. Don't know why. We're all selfish, just like me, right? Right. So, in any case, Romans 13 does not mean there's never a time. If you were a Lutheran, and you were part of the uh, Underground Railroad helping slaves escape, if you're a Christian, you're not a Christian. Well, you weren't submitting to the authorities, were you now? No, you weren't. And you were willing to take the consequences. And a lot of people were helped. That's Romans 13. Okay. So it's not, it never disrupt the order to disrupt the order. That's bad. Chaos, the Joker, that you don't want to be that. That's evil. That's the devil. But the devil also uses the orders that are here in order to create disorder. And when that is happening, you have no law from God to submit to disorder. And if, if they're commanding you to have that disorder by not respecting the right to life or by not respecting the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, well, Romans 13 says that bad governments get punished by good governments. So pray for a good government to come along and in the meantime, expect to die. And, you know, maybe get ready for it. Maybe create a system for yourself, just for you, to get ready to get martyred. And make sure you have a plan so when you get that last word, you make it count. I get it. The Bible says don't plan. It's true. You probably change it when you get there. But all that work you did to get there, I'm not saying try to die. I'm saying if it's going to happen, you might as well have a script. Why not? It's my moment, Mr. DeVille. Come. Cut me up, but let me talk first. Why not, my friends? Why so we're going to dig into this super chat from Joseph Klott here. I uh, got a bunch of other stuff in the way. Make sure we hit all the buttons. Joseph says, can one be a good Lutheran but disagree with some part of the Book of Concord? Uh -oh. My friend talks at the Book of Concord, uh, box at the Book of Concord, and having to affirm it to become Lutheran. Smells of postmodernism to me. How would you respond? Was your friend trying to be a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> that makes a big difference. Um, the Book of Concord is a big book with a lot of stuff in it. Some of the stuff in your Book of Concord may not even be the Book of Concord, depending on the version that you have, just like your Bible, right? So you got to know that to begin with. And then the Book of Concord is not all of one author or intent. 
And so to read it is not as simple as like reading the newspaper, right? So it's not as if everything that ever says, and this was done over here once in a corner, is necessarily historically correct or is necessarily a command for us in the present. And that makes it a bit difficult to navigate. Now, there's a, there's a far end to this. There's really two far ends to this. Uh, one, which tries to make the claim uh, that only the dogmas are what we confess and none of the arguments necessarily, which is a nice kind of, you know, we made it up out <laughs> to saying it has no errors except the ones we think are there. <laughs> Right, so, so I'm not as I'm not as huge on that one, but the the other side, which I I do confess, but I think it gets misunderstood, um, is uh, is the verbatim, like that we take every single word as our confession, and I join with the confession of those who confessed it of old. But but in that, um, that confession is susceptible to the judgment of time, so so wherein the historical record is simply a wrong thing. Or here's a good example. I think Luther uses <clears throat> at one point a metaphor of a um, lemon juice or garlic on a magnet or something. It's some medieval thing. And it's not scientifically true at all. And he uses it as if it's true and then uses it as a metaphor for like the Holy Spirit or something. I don't, I don't remember what it is, but it's in there, right? Like, no, you do not have to confess that when we say a true exposition of the word of God, we don't mean that we got the history or the science we made up right. What we mean is that whenever we're saying what the word of God says, we think we got it right. Um, and so that gets closer to the, what I said before, it's only the doctrines. Well, <clears throat> yes and no. It's just not as clean as that, right? There's a tension here. What does it mean? It means to confess it. It means I don't, you know, when you come to me with the book of Concord and you say, well, it says this about what we believe, I'm not going to say, well, I don't believe that, <laughs> right? Um, you know, when it says we do not abolish the mass, um, it doesn't mean I'm going to put the word mass on my on my sign right away. I want it back though eventually. Uh, but it doesn't mean I necessarily we ever have to do that, but it means we're not going to get rid of the Lord's Supper. When it says that, you know, we're going to do it with higher reverence than the Romans, it doesn't mean that we have to do everything the Romans do and more. Right, it just means we have to have reverent faith in the midst of the whole thing, which they don't. So there's there's just a lot of nuance in the Book of Concord. Do you take the small catechism in the same way you take the solid declaration? Right, I mean you have you have a, an epitome and a solid declaration because you're supposed to take them differently at different times and for different audiences. So anyway, that's there's inside baseball there, but I will say this, man. Like, has he read it? Because <laughs> I know I complained about how stupid it was until I read it. And then I didn't learn to shut my mouth, but I learned to shut my mouth about that. Super chat from Jonathan Clay jumps in as well. He says this, uh, celebrating my tax return by donating, one of my, donating to one of my favorite shows. Uh, have you seen Wolf Mueller's new setup? It's pretty slick. <laughs> Don't talk to me about Wolf Mueller and all the, all the things God gives that guy. Um, you know how like in, uh, in, in uh, was it kennel racing? I don't really care much for kennel racing, but I know that, because of the Simpsons, I know that there's a thing called kennel dog racing or something, greyhound racing. And they get like this little fake rabbit that, that like runs ahead to make sure that uh, everyone keeps running. Did you know that if, if, if a dog catches the rabbit, he loses, like nobody wins. I always thought it was the stupidest rule. Like, no, the dog should totally catch it. Like he wins forever. <laughs> anyway. Um, so uh, Wolf Mueller 
is God's little running rabbit to me. <laughs> like, no matter what I do, God gives Wolfmuller, like, what I did, like, just a little bit ahead. <laughs> it's awesome. And I love it. I really, I, I'm not complaining at all, because what it does is it keeps me trying. <laughs> uh, and his, his setup, I have not seen what he's doing right now. I've, I've just heard the rave reviews about his uh, the streaming service. It was great. I mean, they've got the assets there. That's not Wolfmuller. You got you to gotta know this. What I'm doing is not me either. A lot of what's in this room is me, but Mad Mondays is not me. Right? It's, a, it's a group of people. Uh, Wolfmuller's got a congregation that decided to be a group of people to help their pastor do online stuff. And then they called a guy who was good at it. So they did it before. They were ready to go, right? Um, we're not quite there at St. Paul. That's okay. I don't need it to be. Uh, but it, it is a thing to think about as a congregation, where you are, right? Um, how do you leverage your group to do more than one person can do where you are for the good? Because you believe it can all go away today anyway, right? All go away today anyway. That was some Romans 13 stuff. Checking back on you. 10, 18 on a Saturday morning. The 13th, the 13th? No, the 15th. I can't see. 16th, 16th. Tomorrow's the 17th. I knew that. What do you got for me on the side? Anything? Anything? Bueller, the Lutheran Knights, who are not Templars, but remember that verbum dominate man et eternum, uh, says, as when a magnet is smeared with garlic juice, whereby its natural power is not removed. He's quoting from, yes, the confessions. Uh, or that original sin is not, it was, a sin was the example. Original sin is not a despoliation or deficiency, but only an external impediment to these spiritual good powers. As when a magnet is smeared. So talking about how original sin works. Thank you, Lutheran Knights, for digging that one up for us. Let's see here. Mm-mm. I think, ah, yes, thank you for that too. Philip Hahn points out um, that what I was talking about earlier, you take all of it, that's called the quia subscription to the confessions. Now, Quatanus is not the, I only take the dogmatic side though. Uh, the dogmatic argument is made by quia subscriptionists. But they limit that more than, say, a Quatanus person, because what Quatanus literally means is, I agree with it where, where it's true, insofar as it's true, which is like a, a free license to whatever. So what the, the quia that I was taught at St. Louis, and I think I still agree with, is like, no, we really agree with everything, except for like if they got the history wrong, or like talked about magnets weird, or said their favorite color, right? Like, we, we kind of ignore those lines, because there's like seven of them. <laughs> and then we, and we go on, right? So... Quia versus Quatanus. You want to be Quia at the end of the day. To be Quia is to be cool. And that sounds different than it would have in the 80s, I think. Gen X, are you with me? Wolfmuller's setup, Robert says, is exactly what I want to be able to do as a teacher when I make my videos. It's almost like Khan Academy. That's cool. Huh. My kids use Khan Academy. I got some problems with it. Um, I want to be more like a uh, musician. You can Google that one too. I, I spend money on music. You. Y-O-U, like you, your favorite word, musician. I spend money on musician every single month for my family. That's amazing. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Uh, So, uh, yeah. Khan Academy, teaching online, what's the right medium? I'm glad he's got all the tools to keep playing with stuff because he's got such a mind and he can come up with so many ideas so fast and they're all good. You can't do them all. So the the team that's around him, um, I'm thankful that you're here watching. Uh, You're on my team. Done. 
Uh, and where and when you're able to help, that's always great. Of course, Patreon is one of the best ways to do that. You subscribe to this show effectively, and uh, once a month, your account will get dinged for a four times a month charge. Um, so you will only get dinged once a month, but it will only count when you did it, right? So you can quit mid-month, and it's all fine. Um, but uh, that's that's how all this keeps going. And honestly, speaking of setups, I mean, I'm not going to kickstart this one as an official project just yet, but I am within a month now going to finally have the ability to reconsider this shot. And I'm very excited about it. It's been in the works for months to get to this position. Um, uh, that will take some cash. So if you'd like to, like, uh, out of your uh, your Trump money, can we call it that or should we call it Pelosi money? Pelosi, Trump, 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 Pelosi, Trump, Pelosi money, Federal Reserve owns us money, inflation. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Six months, you don't even know how bad it's going to get in terms of the like lack of economy. But Bitcoin's holding solid money. <laughs> you can buy gold too; it's fine. Silver, why not? Lead, sure. Um, the point is, I'm going to have some space and the need to oh, add a few cameras, add a few mics, maybe a chair or two for live guests, that kind of thing. And that that's more than like the $50, $90 a month at the moment I'm kind of hacking at stuff with. So if you feel like throwing some of your, your Trump Losi money at me, um, as uh, John did there for that, tag it, tag it as a studio, um, workshop studio, the fool's gold. Oh, I love it. Um, I may call it that now the fool's gold. Uh, feel free to do that. That'd be very helpful. Otherwise, you should definitely sign up for Mad Mondays, the newsletter, which is getting better by the week. Dust is going to be unique this week, too. If you're following all the way to the bottom of that newsletter, or maybe scroll in there immediately to read my fiction novel, Dust, uh, the chapter that's coming out this week is not as polished as the one the previous weeks have been. It's close. But my question is, how confusing can I get before you give up? And I have to start tying the pieces back together for you. So what I want to know is, did I push the envelope too much? And I want to tell you what's next. But I can promise you it's all going to make sense. But I want to know, like, would you have stopped by then? Because we, I want to adjust that. So I'm looking for real feedback this week. And you can get that. Give it to me about Dust in Mad Monday. Sign up for that down below. Am I forgetting anything else I need to tell you about? Probably. Probably. Um, Monopoly money. My kids tried to pay me for Monopoly money with Monopoly money the other day. I said, no, ain't going to work out. I don't want to go. It's 1024. I don't have content to put directly in front of you. I could talk about that. What do you make of this? Um, I don't even know how to show it to you. If I go that, did I do it? This thing over my shoulder? There's a guy on like ESPN who he's really clever. Like they do this, like, I don't even know what show it is. It's in the cigar shop all the time. I like, like there's four people talking and then the guy's in charge and they like got time and limits and they like argue with each other. It's like Rome is burning maybe or something like that. In any case, like what's stuck? was that one of the guys was clever enough to get a whiteboard, put it behind him, and change it every time the shot changed. Genius. Absolute genius. Well, I'm, I'm not there yet. That should be a whiteboard someday, though. So that would be interesting, wouldn't it? In the meantime, I've been just trying to throw stuff up there to, like, I don't know, tickle your mind a little bit while it's all going on. What's he talking about? Why is that there? Carpos. I mean, I've been talking about that one. That's definitely in the newsletter. Uh, waiting. Waiting and waiting on purpose. I want to talk about that. But I also want to talk about the art. Would you wear that on a T-shirt? The ones I've been doing, I've been messing with like, uh, what do I, what do I call it? Just taking photos of weird colored tape and words. And I'm curious if like, if you can see that, right? Like, like twist it and shade it and it's suddenly a t-shirt. Well, that'd be cool. And speaking of t-shirts, we are like a week away from mad Christian t-shirts. 
Like we're so close. The 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 um stop gap in this thing is was so me and all me. And like I had this like really nice little note asking me, like, oh great Reverend Fisk who has no time to help those who help him. Would you would you uh, receive our obeisance and uh, let us have access to this one account so we can make T-shirts for the world? And so that's coming. That's coming. It's the, it's the Mad Christian logo. Um, I don't believe it's my face. So it's not my face, right? But you saw Mad and then PX. It's going to be that. It's going to be on a T-shirt. It's going to be coming soon. That should be, I hope, it's going to be small. It's going to be like up here, kind of like an athletic shirt would look. Um, should look pretty, pretty cool. Here's hoping to that. Around the corner. I had something else that was connected to t-shirts I wanted to give you. Ah, I'm going to lose it. Oh, it was Carpus is waiting on purpose. So t-shirts, yeah, fun thing. Oh, you will also see in uh, Mad Mondays from this last week then, uh, someone took a picture of themselves in COVID shutdown lifestyle, and, uh, and we put that in. We're welcoming more of those kinds of shots uh, along with you know Instagram connections and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're welcoming all of that. But if you really want your picture in the newsletter from now on, we're just going to say t-shirts kind of like the shoe in, right? Like there's no hard and fast rules here. The rule of super chats, the rule of super chat, but, but you want the shoe in to eventually get your picture in it. Um, take a picture with, a, with that t-shirt on and do it anywhere in the world. The crazier, the weirder, the more out of the place, the, no, the crazier, the matter, hatter, the better. Oh, we need a mad Christian hat. Oh, it's so true. we got another super chat here and I'm going to get to Carpus is waiting. Uh, Kingdom 45 says, thank you for the chill this morning. Enjoy the discussion. Thank you, Kingdom. Karpos. Karpos is the Greek word for fruit. It is the word I am using to describe my own system of prayer. How do I, Jonathan Fisk, pray? I, Karpos. I, fruit. I chase that word now. And that word to me means everything that is after justification. Karpos is also a knowledge of my justification in Jesus, but I will never look to my fruit in order to discover whether or not I am justified. So that's like the first rule about Karpas. Second rule about Karpas is just the fruit of the Spirit applied to more careful proverbial thought and perhaps some kinetic learning. But we'll we'll get to that all later. The the point is just uh, the fruit of the Spirit, Karpas, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, thankfulness, gentleness, self-control. I can still rattle it off because I had to at my Lutheran day school. But did I ever think about it? Did I ever ponder it? Did I ever find myself saying, I don't have enough of that one? And heaven preserve us. Did I ever justify myself saying, well, I didn't get as much of that one, so it's okay. Love, joy, peace, Patience. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. The result of your justification is patience. The presence of Jesus in your life will create patience, which means it'll teach you how to wait. And if you would like to get a leg up on being taught patience, well, you start to practice waiting. Now, Carpus is more than just that, but, well, it's that with all of the fruit. And in a way that, again, I think um, is worth pondering. So rather than rattle off the fruit of the Spirit, why don't you just spend a week 
wondering what it means to have the supernatural power that is imbued in you by means of the Holy Ghost of God who inhabits the temple of your body with the temple of his body, which is Jesus of Nazareth, risen from the dead. One of the seven superpowers you get is called waiting. You can do it more and better than anybody. Because in theory, your whole life is just that. Unless you forgot. But that's okay. Forgetting's okay. Because God is a God who remembers for us. And then comes and reminds us every morning. And again, that's karpas. That's worship. What is worship? Put your face in the ground. What's that mean? I think about how when I'm uh, going to listen to a sermon, and I'm a good layman, I show up, I, I wear a belt. I might have denim, denim on. Probably got sandals if it's summer. But I'll, I'll, I'll have a collar shirt. Won't wear my clerical collar to someone else's church because, um, well, that's just rude, honestly. I mean, like, I, would, I, I don't want to distract people more than I already probably do. Jeez. <laughs> so in any case, in any case, um, when I listen to a sermon, I fall back on habit. I don't even think about it. But I always will sit back in the pew. I'll take my leg up, which is tough for me because with dress shoes and a size 12, I mean, these are some clog hoppers down there and we didn't build any like passenger room into these things usually, right? So especially, God bless them if there's a kneeler there. <laughs> get my foot up over, I got to lift it and I'm trying to be quiet. The pastor's already talking, right? So I got to get it up over and pull it to my left knee so I can have my nice male couch posture. There's my beloved wife. It's so rare these days, but you know, there's a whole year and a half there. You know, just put my arm around my wife. Which kid is this? It doesn't matter. It's one of them. Yay, we're good. Let's listen to pastor. And it's how oh, good. He didn't even get past his introduction to the real stuff yet. We're good. You know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Not all pastors, just some. Um, So isn't that a bit, if I use the word cocksure, will like uh, YouTube take me out? You know, is that, a, is that a word that we can use to refer to like the way a rooster would be a complete jerk um, and not realize how irreverent that looks? Now, no one's ever told me that. I'm just thinking about it. It's pretty irreverent. It's definitely not uh, Latruo. Latruo, face in the ground worship. Reverence would be another way to say it. Um, it's definitely not that. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to challenge you per se. And I got no one in mind but myself on this. All I'm going to say is that I'm just not so sure the idea that I can worship God in a lazy boy is what Latruo means. Because uh, 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 even if I was in a lazy boy, like unless I just couldn't move, like I'm on hospice at this point, right? But even if I could move, I'd sit up for a little while. I mean, right? Wouldn't that, how, do you, how do you worship sitting down? And where did that idea come from? That's, I'm pondering that one. Now granted, if you got to wait, sitting down is a good way to do it. <laughs> so I don't know. And that's the point, is to ponder. To ponder, to throw my foolish curiosity out your way, and to let you, what, whittle out the bad, pull up the good, share it with somebody else so we get more of that good shared everywhere that we can. So cool. Uh, speaking of things we could promote, Doxology, Robert chimes in here at the end. Uh, it was nice about Doxology. My pastor got to actually be in the pews with his family, something I noticed you ordained types miss the most. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's guys who, who are more about that than me, I think. Um, 
I have trouble being in the pew. I feel out of place in the pew. I need to talk at church. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't, I don't say that I could never serve with another pastor. I have, and I, I could again. Um, but the particular need of me to say my bit <laughs> is just something we'd have to reckon with. Right. So, so uh, it's harder for me to sit and listen uh, to a sermon um, much easier for me to read or listen to a podcast of a guy, um, generally because the format's so different also. I mean, I've shared here before how I'm not a big fan of, of the homiletical craft as it is understood in, in Missouri. And so that's part of my issue too, but, but that's it. Okay. So, you know, doxology though, far beyond just being about getting in the pew. I mean, that's nice. Um, I mean, right now I've got private mass with my family, you know, at church. It's so weird. I, I'm doing it for everybody else. And then my own family comes in. Um, anyway, uh, doxology, what is good is that the entire thing is the, is the spiritual care of the pastor. The entire point is to take pastors who are entrepreneurial legal counseling, um, doctors effectively, uh, in terms of schedule and workload and expectation and knowledge base and all this stuff. And, and oftentimes just brutalized by dysfunctional organizations. You imagine the worst job you ever had. And now imagine it's, you know, that one boss is seven people and they're your elders, you know? I mean, I, I, mine wasn't that bad, but, but guys are out and stuff like that. Right. And doxology comes along and it reminds them why they got there. So they don't stop. And they realize, Oh, this was, this was the fight I signed up for. Got it. Yeah. And doxology has been really good for guys in that regard. And it, for me in that regard, even though I never went, just, I know it's done that for others and that's encouraged me as well. Um, newsletter will have info. If I understand correctly, maybe only a few weeks out. Oh, it's the, 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 um, the t-shirt. We're really close. I think they can do it super fast if I just get out of the way, which I tried to do. Um, and yeah, Frisbee would absolutely tell you what's going on there. Frisbee, our miraculous, majestic Frisbee, the hand, uh, she's never here live because she lives in a different continent. <laughs> uh, so she always checks us out later. Uh, and so she's sleeping right now. But uh, you send her an email, like it's in there in the comments, uh, and she'll get you all the most recent information. Of course, you can always send it through revfist.com slash contact. She'll see that as well, assuming I've been doing my job. Dollism, I cannot promise you that there will be a V-neck t-shirt with Mad Christian on it, Christianity on it. But what we're doing is endeavoring to find the best t-shirt we can get. What do I mean? You can see I am wearing a Ranger Up American flag into, I forget what that one's called, the awesome yellow snake flag of Republic Life Liberty, okay? Uh, so I'm wearing my Ranger Up t-shirt. This is, this is a, I love this t-shirt. I absolutely adore the artwork that they did. Um, and I wear this t-shirt at least once a week and then it gets washed and I wear it again. And I'm terrified of the day I have to buy another one or try to find it again because I love it so much. However, that said, what I love about this t-shirt is what's on it. I am not in love with the quality of the craftsmanship of the material. Uh, it is okay. It has stood up, so it goes through many washes, but it is it is on the way to being what I would call the crusty t-shirt, right? It's, it's, it's in that direction now, and that has a lot to do with the kind of material the t-shirt was made of in the first place. Um, and the fact that Ranger Up t-shirts are in the upwards of $30 or $35 for one of them, which is pretty significant, which is why I only own one, uh, is, it says something also then about the, you know, I'm paying 35 bucks. I love the art. The shirt's not holding up. It'll last forever, but what am I going to sell? What are you going to buy? 
I want you to have a t-shirt you don't have to throw away because it gets uncomfortable after five washings. And my experience with Redbubble uh, has been just that. Redbubble's pretty cool, super efficient, and every t-shirt I've gotten from them, I bought three at one time less than three months ago, and I don't want to pick any one of them out of the closet because of the way they have aged. I bought the Athletic Cut, which is the higher quality version, only in the $20 range with the logo on it and the artist getting something out of it. Um, so I, I was hoping it would it would be more toward that that kind of long distance. What is most disturbing to me <laughs> is that my favorite absolute t-shirt to wear, it's so good I even... I despise the color and I wear it anyway because of how comfortable it is and how well it fits is from a local shop called the Rockford Art Deli, uh, hashtag 815. And I would gladly go to them for Mad Christian t-shirts, but you got to buy them in bulk and not on demand and all one color. And you know how that goes, right? So I we're, we're on the hunt for the online dropship place that'll let you buy a t-shirt worth keeping. And as soon as we get that one close enough that we can say, okay, you can wear it for 10 washings before it kills you. And, you know, we're not going to go that far into, into research, but um, we're going to try out a couple other places besides Redbubble before we, we go permanent with this. And then once you have that, you can make your V-neck if you insist on a mullet too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh I'm just looking at the comments here again before we go our way. It looks like everything's winding up. Uh, I do not have anything else immediately scheduled to run away to. However, I we are instituting a Saturday evening time of divine services today. So I'm losing some of my evening, uh, which means I want to get on my way and, and finish the rest. But you keep all that good information coming this way. I'm going to keep plotting, planning, being confusing, and tomfoolering my way into a confession of orthodoxy before you as best I can. And uh, we'll meet up in a week or so. Uh, and, and see how all it's gone from there. Mad Mondays, that's where the real thinking is going to take place. Uh, Refist.com, you can find everything getting reposted there. Of course, if you just want to watch the old videos, you clicked on the wrong one. I bounce around in other places and can do some more deep, basic instruction when you want to go dig for it. Y'all have a good May 17th, if it comes. Spend maybe a minute today waiting in the expectation that they might not. Don't wallow in the muck while you do it. Huh? Rock on.